Welcome to Let's Drive, SA's motoring podcast, brought to you by Toyota Gazoo Racing South Africa. In this episode, we discuss the Honda Civic Sport with CVT gearbox, the BMW X7 and the Kia Seltos. We also chat to Toyota Gazoo Racing SA Rally Champion, Guy Bottrell, and it's the Let's Drive Top 5. Are you ready? Let's drive. Oh man, what a tune. And you know when you hear that, it's time for Let's Drive. Episode 5 is well and truly upon us. It's me, Derek Alberts, and as always, I've got my co-hosts on board, Valdu van der Waal and Hannes Visser. How are you doing, Valdu? Oh, Derek, we're surviving. We're getting there and actually, no, we're doing quite well. I can't complain. In the midst of all of this. Yeah, considering everything, we're surviving and thriving, Hannes, I'd say. I am a positive person. My glass is always half full. Um, not this very moment, but later this afternoon it will be because it is Friday. I still have all the essentials I need to get me through the weekend, and uh, that includes lots of wood and meat. So we will be buying and having a brandy later this afternoon. Yeah, we talk about lockdowns and having to spend time at home. I, I think you certainly do thrive in this atmosphere a little bit, Hannes, because you're a man of uh, modest means in that, yeah, you give you a bribe, we give you a bit of meat, and uh, you'll certainly uh, make the most of it. I'm also quite resourceful. I had a, a, a fright of um, a load of wood, uh, proper, proper uh, bushveld wood delivered to my house yesterday, all 100 bags of them, so I can get through winter for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, one week of winter at least with 100 bags, but okay. Yeah, but I still had 300, so I'm at 400 in total. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I know we've spoken about it in previous episodes, Valdu, but uh, it does seem as if this lockdown is coming to an end and yeah, we can only smile at that possibility. And and we certainly are happy about it, but more over than anything is the fact we will be able to get out into the open roads more. I mean, I know that you and Hannes have had a chance to sample a couple of cars uh, during the time being, during the lockdown, with permits in hand, of course. But uh, yeah, the freedom of movement uh, will certainly uh, be very, very welcomed. Oh, absolutely. Going across provincial borders is imperative for us because Gauteng is a tiny little place. It's not the prettiest part of South Africa. And just being able to nip across the border to uh, to Paris, for instance, in the free state where we have some pretty roads or out to Mpumalanga, especially that I can't wait to do again. Oh, man, it's uh, really, really exciting stuff. And it, it feels so weird. I, I mean, we've been chatting about it quite a bit. I mean, if you had mentioned something like this four or five months ago, take, for instance, when we were covering the length and breadth of Saudi Arabia for the Dakar Rally 2020 for Toyota Gazoo Racing SA. I mean, imagine if we had had this conversation in the Fortuna saying, you know, in a couple of months' time, we won't be able to be here because we won't even be, even be allowed to, to get out of Gauteng. I mean, we wouldn't have been able to fathom it. Not at all. I would have asked you, what did you drink while you mm. said that in, the, in Dakar? Because there's no alcohol in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> and if you said something as ludicrous as this, I would have wondered where you got something from. And, and on top of that, we would have said, okay, cool. Just for instance sake, if it did happen, 
we wouldn't have been able to cope. It would have been too tough. I mean, it's impossible. Yet, I mean, Voldu Hannes speaks about being resourceful. South Africans are, are very resourceful. We've become a, a very hardy bunch, given what we've ha- had to endure over the last couple of years. And yeah, we've, we've managed to, to survive and, and dare I say, thrive. Oh, Lesim was a boer market plan, but it's not just a boer. It's actually the entire planet. The human race is quite resourceful mm. and, and, and adjustable. And we, we all hang in there. We'll get through it one way or another. Yeah, so no more lockdown speak. Let's get into the cars. Before you do, I just want to quickly add, Valdo said nipping over the border to Paris or Pumalanga or whatever. <laughs> um, one of my favorite places in the world, and I was lucky enough to spend quite a bit of time in December there, not only Namibia, but uh, Botswana and the um, Remy Game Reserve. And I believe the Kavanga Delta at the moment is the prettiest with the largest or the biggest flood that they've had in years. And uh, as soon as I can get my butt across the border, I will be heading into that direction. Ooh, I think think a future Latville episode calls for that area to be scoped, uh, Anis. Can you imagine if we sit underneath a tree there with elephants roaming and hippos in the the delta and we record a... A podcast there, Bilaka. Yes, so we'll do the Latvial episode for TV, and then, of course, we'll do Let's Drive for uh, our listeners. I think that is a great idea. So, let's talk cars. Living the moment till I die. First up, Voldu, you got to experience the Honda Civic Sport, but more importantly, with the, the CVT gearbox. Oh, Derek, you almost said something. Well, you did say something that's got Hannes' back up already because him and I... Can I just been... interrupt right there and then? Yes, already. Us. Yes, because you said Civic Sport, the word sport, and CVT in the same sentence. And you cannot do that, Derek. It is a sin. <laughs> okay, tell us why. <laughs> well, Hannes, since you've interrupted, tell us why. Yeah. Be, be, because there's nothing sporty about a CVT gearbox. Derek, have you ever driven one? Any car with a CVT gearbox? No. So, Okay, so it stands for Continuous Variable Transmission. So it doesn't have an automatic gearbox. Um, it's a belt that slides up and down a cylindrical cone. And all it does, your, your, your right foot and the accelerator pedal becomes a, a volume control because all it does is it, it, it ups the volume and it doesn't make the car go anywhere. It is the most terrific invention ever. And I feel sorry for for public relations spokespeople and marketing people at local importers and manufacturers that have to stand in front of the country's media uh, when they launch these cars and, and, and tell us about the advantages and benefits of having a CVT. Because these people surely can't even believe what they're saying, but they're not building the cars. They come from overseas, so they have to sell them. And then they stand up there and they say, oh, but it's the future and um, they're more fuel efficient. Crap, it's not. It doesn't drive well and it's not more fuel efficient. In fact, we have proof that... Um, during the end of last year, we, we, we followed the West Bank fuel economy tour around the country, and the cars with CVTs were lost. I mean, they fared horribly wrong. Uh, they, they were terrible. So, so no, I can't see the benefit of it at all. And to put it into normal terms for everyone to understand, if you think back in high school and the little scooters that your girlfriend used to ride and stand at eight or nine, um, that's what a CVT sounds like. And that's exactly what it feels like when you ride. It just goes, and it goes nowhere. It's terrible. But, but, but tell us how you really feel now. I can't say those words on the air. I think you should sit back and just breathe deeply and get your heart rate down again. If you can just get it down to like 100, that would be great. Uh, I've tried how many times and every time we get a CVT and we test it, it's the same thing. And then people say, no, 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 but now it's better because it's a year on and they've developed it. Bullshit. There's nothing wrong with a normal torque converter automatic gearbox. Um, Um, Do you concur? There's nothing wrong with it. But... 
But, and please, can I now interrupt Hannes' tirade for a little bit there and just, just come up for this poor Honda, which actually has a very good CVT. And I have to qualify that immediately by saying that I used to feel exactly the same as Hannes. I didn't get quite as worked up about it because, you know, that takes effort. But um, I, I, I never liked them until I actually drove two CBTs recently that just showed me that, that maybe these things are coming of age. Uh, I mean, Hannes said they say it's the future. Well, it's been a long time since the first one was designed because there was this chap that lived in Italy called um, Leonardo da Vinci who actually designed the very first CBT back in 1490. So they've had a couple of hundred years to refine the bloody system. And it, it seems like it's right after 500 years. Yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> it seems to me that they are finally making a little bit of headway um, in, in, the, in refining these things. Because up until very recently, I, I'd say as recently as last year, I haven't driven a CBT that I could say was acceptable. They were all terribly, just horrible things that took all the fun out of driving. Until I got into first the Honda uh, Civic Sport CVT and then the brand new Toyota Corolla sedan, which also has a CVT gearbox. And both of those CVTs are more than just passable. They're actually bloody excellent. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm going to argue, but anyway, I haven't driven these two cars, so you're welcome. How, how can you argue, Honest? You haven't even driven them. Because I've heard for centuries, no, no well, for centuries, that the next generation <laughs> of CVT is going to be better, and I haven't driven one that's better. Okay, I haven't driven these two, so maybe maybe they've improved 1%, which means they're still a lot worse than a normal, conventional, decent automatic gearbox. Th this, this sounds like yeah. the classic lockdown speak. I've heard from my uncle's father's uh, prior roommate that uh, something was going to happen somewhere along the line. The government was going to do this. So you haven't experienced it of late, though, Hanbal, but uh, just from what you've heard. No, because Vald and I speak on a daily basis, and when he says, okay, so on the on the cards for this week, with the test cars that are, that are booked and that are coming to visit us, and he says what it is, and if it contains the letter CVT in it, I'm not interested. I say, go straight to you, Valdo, and you can drive. So I haven't driven them along with these two because I don't want to. And, and, and so, Baldu, when you got the invite, did you take it with open arms and did you hate it as much as Hannes? No, I didn't take it with open arms because I, I'm, I dread driving a CBT. Um, and, and it really was a question of limited supply leading up to lockdown or during lockdown. So we, we just you know, took the car into format and uh, it, was a, it was a good move. I, I have to quickly add, before Hannes carries on about the Sport and CVT, that Sport in terms of the Honda Civic refers to the spec level and not to the sportiness of the car. Mm. So it's, it's not meant to be a sports car. Uh, by any means. It's got a little nod to it. It's got aluminium flappy paddles behind the steering wheel and, and aluminium pedals. But for the rest, it's just a normal Honda sedan with a sport but spec level. You see, Valdo, right there is a problem because it's got flappy paddles behind the steering wheel to change gears, but it doesn't have gears. So what are you changing? You are changing <laughs> simulated gears, which force the engine to do certain things as in up the revs and uh, apply engine braking and so on. It's all software and, and ECU control. Yeah, I don't like it. Give me a real car, please. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So we know where uh, Hannah stands on the matter. Uh, Voldy, do you, do, you, do you like the addition? No? Uh, well, it still wouldn't be my first choice. I would always opt for a, a well-designed, proper automatic gearbox with a torque converter, like Anna said earlier. That, that is the way forward to me. Uh, but then we're also in our mid-40s, uh, approaching 50, and maybe we're just too old for this. Maybe the PlayStation generation really want cars that, 
that have no gears and that have no moving parts and that just make noise and, and go. Um, and in that case, this will answer their needs, but I could certainly live with it. If I have to have a, a CBT car to drive every day, it would have to be either the Honda or the, or the new Toyota Corolla. Can you see it being the future? Sadly, yes. Um, <laughs> I think many manufacturers are making headway with their CVT systems. And, and you know, it's got fewer, fewer moving parts than a, a traditional gearbox, fewer things that can go wrong with it. Um, it is more fuel efficient. It keeps the car and the power um, more accurately than a, a normal transmission does. So I do think it will be the future, but I certainly hope that they refine them a hell of a lot more before they become, you know, standard issue instead of an automatic gearbox. Highlight? Mm. Phoning Hannes to tell him that it was actually a good gearbox. <laughs> Look, I, I just want to say before people kill me, um, the Honda is a great car. All Hondas have always been great cars. The Civic is a fantastic car. I've driven lots of Civics. I've driven the Civic Type R, which is a real sporty car that deserves its name and so on. Um, they're proper cars. It's just a pity that this specific one is, 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 is um, hampered by a silly thing called the CVT gearbox. But the rest of the car is great. Quality is good. Build quality is great. Ride quality, everything is perfect. It's just uh, well. I'll, I'll tell you what other, what's the other thing that hampers it a little bit, unfortunately, is its price. Because the 1.5T, the turbo petrol sports CVT powered car, is 513,000 Rand. Oh, and you wow. can get a Toyota Corolla for significantly less. I think 50,000, 60,000 Rand less than that with the same spec level. And to be honest, that's just too much more to pay for the Honda. Well, conversely, the, the low light for Hannes was your highlight, Valdu. So when you called him saying it wasn't actually that bad, <laughs> Hannes absolutely hated that part. <laughs> I, I think like he's spot on, Derek. Like I do now. I, I, my argument will always be that there are such good, normal, poor converted automatic gearboxes. Look at Volkswagen with the DSG, the direct um, shift gear system and so on. I mean, they're, they're fantastic gearboxes. Why not stick to those? Why do you have to change something that wasn't broken? And like I say, these poor marketing people have to stand up there and defend these cars. And, and, and they've proven not to be fuel efficient or anything user-friendly or anything. So anyway, I'll stop now. <laughs> uh, do you know what the definition is? It a, a boomer? Um, I think it's a, a boomer, the, the correct term, Hannes. I don't know. Okay. What is a um, it's, uh, it's from the baby boomer generation. Anyone who's older <laughs> than the person using the word usually used if said person is being annoyed. So I, I think this is certainly a, a boomer alert conversation because, uh, yeah, you are definitely not embracing the future. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm stuck in the past. <laughs> ah, no, fair enough. That's 100% correct. Uh, you can uh, be that what it may, Voldu, what would be your low light? Uh, I think the the disappointment in the car's pricing is really the low light for me in the in the Honda's case. Um, it, it is a good car and it deserves to sell more um, than they do at the moment. And I think the only thing that's hampering it is its price. Let's drive out of five. Uh, with the price and the fact that they could have just you know put a proper gearbox in there, I'd give it a three and a half. Three and a half. That's uh, the Honda Civic with uh, that gearbox that uh, Valdu, well, Valdu doesn't mind, but Hannes absolutely hates, the CVT gearbox. Am I not getting a chance to rate it out of five? Oh, well, we know exactly what's going to well, be Well, you didn't yours, even but, drive it. Yeah, but, let, <laughs> but, 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 but let's, let's have it. I no, I respectfully decline. Thank you very much. <laughs> Three and a half from Valdu and uh, no comment from Hannes. And I'm going to change 
Moving over now to something with the gearbox. I think you fancied a little more. And Hannes, you got to take it on to the road, the BMW X7. It was just before lockdown, and we did take it to Mpumalanga on a beautiful road called Slyhook, which leads to, a, a, I think it's a tin or copper, no, tin mine, I think. Beautiful piece of our country, nice, lovely road. And uh, yeah, we took the X7 down there. It's like traveling first class on the road. It really, really is. It just glides over whatever comes in its way. Um, what a fantastic experience. Proper, proper, big luxury SUV. Yeah, big sums it up perfectly. Yeah, it's probably enormous. A, a seven-seater first-class SUV, three rows of seats, and uh, yeah, sheer driving pleasure. Absolutely. It, but Derek, if I say big, that's the understatement of the year. This car is enormous. It is it is proper big. I mean, the, 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 the surfaces of the body panels, I would hate to be a, a person at a car wash and see this thing drive up and go, oh, damn it, I have to clean all of that because it's a lot to clean. And it also officially has the largest kidney grill that BMW has ever made on any car. So if that thing pulls up behind you, it fills your rear view mirror with huge road presence. And uh, it is it is enormous. But then when you drive it, it doesn't feel like you're driving a ship. I mean, it's still it's still a BMW. So it reacts well to all the inputs and so on. And it just glides, eh? It's, oh, what a car. Yeah, I mean, it, obviously it's built on the, the BMW X5. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with the X5. And there's all of the question mark. Was there really a, a, the need for a, a bigger flagship SUV for BMW? Well, that's what all the manufacturers do. They find solutions to problems that didn't exist. And that's why crossovers exist in the first place. And, and, and you know, they keep on finding these little niches and so on. And, um, well, like Mercedes, BMW, they all do the same thing. Audi have got big SUVs and now BMW is up to the ante as well by, by bringing the X7, which they say is the, uh, the SUV of the 7 Series, you know, which makes sense. So if you want all the luxuries and space of the 7 Series, but you want, you want the advantages of the SUV, which is, of course, sitting higher, um, having a better view, and, and the ability to go places where your, your otherwise low ground clearance sedan cannot go, then, yeah, why not? You know, it's a small market. Few people can afford that sort of thing. But obviously, there are enough of them for them to justify making it. It's a giant car in a small market. And I don't think pictures do it justice. And you can't comprehend just how massive this thing is. I think we're looking at around over five meters in length. Um, it's tall, over a meter tall, a width of around two meters uh the thing is really massive yeah sorry Derek. it's much more than a meter tall it's, it's almost two meters tall. Can't sorry yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, um the other thing that's also impressive all that space of course means that that the occupants um each seat is an individual seat and it's it's absolutely fantastic no matter where you sit i mean it's it's one of the only suvs i've ever found that the third row of seats it's very, very usable and luxurious, even for a six-foot person like myself. I won't mind sitting in the back all the way down to Cape Town. Mm. Yeah, that, that, that's Don't an impressive... No, we've had this... Is that, is that six foot in the in height or width? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, whatever. Uh, you, can also, you can also flatten them and, and, and make it bed in the back. <laughs> Um, so, so what's an offer apart from this massive car? All the controls and electronics and connectivity that makes you feel like you're in control of an army. You sit behind that steering wheel with all these controls at your fingertips. And um, I, I can get into all the detail, but, you know, the, all the info is available on the net. Go and have a look. There's just too much to mention. BMW's taken the connectivity and, and, and infotainment systems to the next level. And all of the latest systems, obviously, uh, at your fingertips on this car. 
Yeah, oh, man, it, it does look like a magnificent vehicle and and certainly truly impressive. Uh, what was the highlight for you? Ah, filling people's rearview mirrors. I shouldn't say that because <laughs> that's what DMW people normally do. Eh? Um, no, just just the absolute comfort and convenience while while flying first class. Oh man, and uh, your low light? There was a low light. The Ooh. thing has got enormous enormous wheels. I can't remember the twenty one or twenty two inch wheels. Um, and besides the fact that it does have BMW's four drive system and it can go off road. You won't because you'll damage it. Um, the enormous wheels are low, low, low profile. And on the way back, we did hit a pothole and immediately got the tire warning, um, the, the tire deflation warning system going off. And um, the tire was completely destroyed. Fortunately, it does have run flats. So we were able to, to uh, crawl along at, at 30, 40 kilometers an hour to the nearest town where we proceeded to change the wheel. And in all that big space and that huge car, the spare wheel is a little space saver little Mari biscuit and then we had to change the Mari biscuit put that on and now that's a little 18 inch wheel whereas the other ones are 21 or 22 inches or 22 I mean for the rest and now the whole car is out of balance and we're driving back on the highway on the N4 from Pumlonga back to Pretoria at 80 k's an hour with the car and the electronics going mad because uh, nothing is in balance here you're driving you know the whole car is like flipping from side to side and all that sort of thing so that was definitely a low light um, we we survived the the flat wheel, but it's not ideal. Let's drive up. Very good, so yeah. Sorry to interrupt, but it really is an interesting point that Hannes makes with the with the spare wheels in in South African context. Because you know we own my my wife and I own a, a Volvo XC90 rather, and and the family of ours has an XC60. And recently we had an issue with a, a similar situation, but we were up in Namibia and we couldn't find a, a tire for that. Mm. Thing. So. You know, it's a, it's a very long story of what we had to do and how we worked it out. And in the end, I bought another a full-size spare for my XC90, set me back 20 grand. It's something that people need to be aware of and actually think about when they buy vehicles, when they choose them. Where will you be driving it and will you be okay if you only have a space saver? So that just as a side note, you know, keep it in mind when you buy your next car. No, it's a massive point to, to, to make and, and thanks for doing so. Uh, and finally, Hannes, your let's drive out of five. <sighs> I have to give it a lot of marks because it's such a, a technologically advanced marvel of a car. Um, but it's not for everyone. It's too big and it does have the, the, the tire problem. So let's go four. Four out of five. And that is the massive BMW X7 as experienced by Hannes Fisser. Moving over now to the third car of the episode, and we're moving over to the Kia Seltos. And we're very glad and uh, very proud to have on board, having just uh, come onto the show, Krista Valentine uh, from Kia. Uh, Krista, great to have you on board. Uh, how are you doing? Morning, gents. I'm very well, thank you, and thanks for having us. Absolute pleasure. Tell us a little bit about the, the Kia Seltos. Uh, of course, we're very much uh, used to having seen the Sportage uh, on the roads over the last couple of years. Uh, this one uh, a little bit smaller, but certainly breaking into that, that, that family mode. Definitely. I think the one of the things of Seltos that I personally enjoy the most is that it is supposed to be seen as uh, an SUV that's slightly smaller than the Sportage but you're actually getting a little SUV that is not much smaller than, uh, than, than its bigger brother. Um, it plays in the B segment, as we call it, um, which is massive at the moment. There are just so many amazing cars in that segment. 
um, with the Selfers obviously being the best one in the segment. Um, and it's I'm on my second one already, so it's I love it. Are sure you biased somehow? Maybe just ever so slightly, Hannes. Um, <laughs> but I mean, you've driven one, so surely you understand where I'm coming from. No, you do make a good point, and I'm sure Valdo will get into that now. He drove most of it, but I also drove it, and uh, it was surprisingly good, eh? I must admit. Yes, surprisingly good, uh, the words used from Hannes. Uh, Valdo, you got to experience a lot more of it. Uh, impressed? Oh, very impressed with it. Um, that we drove it shortly before all of this uh, virus stuff hit us, so we still had an opportunity to drive the car out to Dolstrom to go and film it for Latville. Um, and I got to experience it in town and on the open road, and I must say it is a really, really competent vehicle. Comfortable, well-appointed, and it looks very, very good. I, there's a couple of styling things that I really enjoy on it. Chris, so the, the official... Uh, title, so to speak, the smartly positioned subsportage model. I, I think that uh, barely scratches the surface because, yeah, it, it's got a lot of bells and whistles. This guy. Yeah, it it really is a, the epitome of the way Kia approaches most of its products. You know, I think the days where people pick a vehicle based on looks or whatever else the requirement might be, and then you know you get faced with a a bit of a menu where you need to tick boxes in order to get it spec up to something remotely decent. You will find that Kia has been, rem we've removed that option long ago. You know, our cars don't have options. They come fully kitted. I like to believe that a lot of other brands are following that trend at the moment because people want value. You know, a car is usually your second most expensive or most valuable asset. Um, and if you're spending what people spent on houses 10, 20 years ago for a car, you really want as much as you can get for it. Um, and again, Saltos, I think, ticks that box. Um, I've gone from driving the top of the range GT line, which literally has every bell and whistle you can think of, to currently driving the very, very entry-level manual transmission Saltos. And there's very little that you can fault with it. I mean, you get used to creature comforts, obviously, but from a day-to-day -day runabout perspective, you know, across the spectrum, it, for me, it ticks all the boxes. Yeah, I'm, I'm very impressed with having a, a look at it. Of course, I haven't experienced it yet. Uh, I'll chat to you with uh, sorting that out soon, hopefully when this lockdown does uh, come to an end, because uh, I've been blown away. I mean, I've always been a Sportage fan because I'm a man who absolutely loves sports. So if I see sport, I'm going to jump into it, and uh, whether it be a car or something that happens on a field. And, and yeah, when I saw this, I thought, hmm, gee, we've got a, a new Sportage around. And, of course, that's not the case. But, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a big car. And um, it, it's a terrific market to be in. Um, we talk about the big SUVs. Uh, and just before we brought you on, um, we had the, the massive X7 from BMW. Um, this is by no means uh, massive, but it, it's not small either. No, it's not small at all. I mean, it, you can probably fit two Saltos in an X7. But, um, <laughs> it, uh, you know, again, you're not compromising. I think car designers evolved, and especially in our group. And again, I'm very biased. But, you know, in our group, design has been a pillar of, of Kia's growth across the past two decades. Um, and you get to a point where you're designing a vehicle such as the Saltos, which is supposed to be, like I said, a compact SUV. But you get inside and you really do not feel as if you are compromising or sp on space, practicality or versatility. Um, and I think it's also part of a natural progression, you know. So we, we have a well-established SUV range. 
Um, and they're all kind of evolving in their own way. So at the top end, you know, Sorrento will become bigger than it has been. Um, Sportage will probably grow marginally as well. And that gives Seltos a very natural space. Um, and there's also the, the Sonnet coming later here, if everything goes according to plan, um, that slots in beneath Seltos. So as a brand, we're very much design first, um, but also customer and customer needs very much in parallel with that. Oh. <laughs> Baldu was about to ask a question and then you answered it for him. So uh, there we go. I, I, I was I was just busy writing in the background here to, to our host, um, Chris, who's saying maybe we should ask what's going to slot in beneath the uh, the Saltos in the in the range because obviously we understand that you, you need a, a more compact vehicle as well. But then right at the end there, you answered it and stumped us all. Um, so thank you for that. <laughs> it's a pleasure. I'm good with sonnets. <laughs> yeah, you seem to be. <laughs> Just a question from our side. The um, the one we had, Volvo, the GT line, was a normal automatic gearbox, right? It's a seven-speed um, dual clutch. Yes, okay. it was but more, more, more than normal. It wasn't a CVT. It wasn't a CVT. <laughs> Christo, before you came on, we discussed the uh, benefits that aren't there of CVTs, and I'm so glad that this car has got a proper gearbox in and not a CVT. Yeah, look, I think if you... <laughs> I'm a, I'm a bit of a car guy, you know, I'd much rather be driving somewhere than doing anything else. So things like a transmission and how it pairs with the engine that's in the vehicle, you know, makes a big difference to your experience. I've never been a fan of CVTs either. Um, I really cannot think of a single example where it's worked for me as a driver. Um, but I think the, you know, the logic behind CVTs makes sense. Um, I think CVTs, you know, fuel efficiency, that kind of stuff is always top of mind with the transmission. But something like a dual clutch automatic does the same thing. Um, I would very much like to sit here and say you would never see a CVT in a Kia. But alas, I am not that, that high up in the hierarchy. <laughs> um, but we live in hope. We were laughing with Hannes a, a little earlier because, as you could hear, he's not a fan of CVTs. And, and we said it's a boomer alert because he, he certainly isn't embracing the future. And it has been described as being a gearbox of the future. Would you concur? Do you think it's the way that the automotive industry is going? Or uh, can Hannes uh, breathe a little easier that uh, he'll be able to take on his, his manuals and autos uh, in 10, 15, 20 years' time? I think, unfortunately, CVTs are not going to disappear anytime soon. I think they will evolve into to something different. Um, I think most car manufacturers are aware of the fact that your average consumer do not enjoy it. Um, you know, that your, that I almost want to use design terms, your user experience is not great. So I think whenever there's an engineer in the room, an engineer will try to improve on that. Um, which is why I think CVTs will evolve. Whether they will become any better, I don't know. Um, I do think, you know, as long as we have petrol heads, we'll have manual transmissions. And as long as we have traffic congestion, we'll have various types of autos. Um, but yeah, CVTs, in my mind, should go the way of hydrogen power um, and disappear. Okay, well, uh, yeah, you're the same with uh, Hannes there. Uh, Christo, thanks so much. It's been great having you on the show. We're going to discuss the Saltos in a little bit more detail with uh, Voldu telling us more about his experience, uh, but uh, you can listen on the podcast. Amazing. Thanks very much for giving us the opportunity to chat. Excellent. Cheers, Christo. Okay, Voldu, tell us more. What did you like about the car? 
Um, Derek, there's not much not to like about it, but if we start on the outside, I think the design of the vehicle is what first drew me to it. You know, the, we had the GT line, the top of the, the range that Krista also referred to, um, and that one comes with very, very pretty um, alloy wheels of 17 inches, and it also has sort of semi-floating roof rails, if you can explain it like that. So the back end of the roof rail is not attached to the body of the car. It sort of has a support a little bit further forward. Um, and it's just nice little touches like that that really set it apart. Um, one thing that, that the, the guys from Kia and Hyundai don't like us saying is that the, the, yeah, their products are family um, because inherently they are tied together. They are one and the same company in Korea. But if you go to their head office, which I've done um, in, in Seoul, the, the building is physically split straight down the middle. The one side is Hyundai, the other side is Kia, and never the twain shall meet, hmm. um, except maybe when they um, send CAD drawings and some designs backwards and forwards. But you know, even though they share engines, gearboxes, and, and underlying technologies, the branding, everything is completely different. The way they approach the interiors and equipment levels and so on, it is split completely. So. You know, we can't compare it and say it's, it's this version of that because it's not. But in the lineup, the Seltos competes with the, uh, uh, with the Hyundai Creta, which has been around quite a bit longer. Um, and the Creta is starting to show its age just a little bit. And the Seltos is absolutely fresh and spot on at the moment. So, you know, there's a lot of things that draw me to the car. Um, like Christo said, the interior, it doesn't feel at all like it's smaller than, uh, than the Sportage which is amazing because, you know, where it slots into the range means that you pay less, obviously, for the Seltos than you would for the Sportage, but you get almost the same thing. And, and that has to be very appealing to many people. And, of course, we're speaking about a Sportage that is extremely popular in the South African market. Yeah, the Sportage has done extremely well. It was really the car that put Kia on the map in South Africa. Um, and that was largely down to the design that uh, the, the well-known designer Peter Schreier penned uh, when the first Sportage came out in South Africa. Uh, that look was the one that made Kia appealing to many people, in my opinion. And um, it's gone from strength to strength over the, through the years. Uh, Peter Schreyer um, has you know, left the company or left the, the hands-on design of the new product line, and he was replaced by uh, Luke Donkerwolke at a certain stage, a uh, Belgian designer who used to be with Lamborghini, interestingly enough. Um, Luke has just departed Kia as well. Uh, but the, the, the reality is that Kia has had some top-line designers over the years, and it really does come through. It shows very, very well. And um, I think, you know, the, the Seltos is a slightly different take on a, on a great design than the Sportage was. It's not quite as in-the-face. It's more of a, a svelte development of, of the design language. But it certainly works, and it's very, very pretty. You've got a little story to tell as far as Peter Schreier is concerned. Obviously, he's very, very famous uh, very, very successful, very sought after, and I would hate to know what Kia paid him to, to, to turn the brand around and the whole look of and feel of, of the Kia's design language. But I was lucky enough to actually meet him in, uh, in Seoul, in Korea, in, uh, during the international media launch of the Sportage. Um, well, the, the, the one that he designed, obviously. And uh, I asked him a few questions because just to put this into perspective, they, they gave him everything he wanted. I mean, they built him a design studio at the um, uh, Kia headquarters in Seoul, but they also built him one in Germany. He's a German and he's from Germany, obviously, and they built him a studio in, I'm not sure what the town was, I can't remember the name of the town, but they built him a studio there, and then they also built him a design studio in California. 
And I said to him, why in California? And he said, because he likes the Californian red wine. So he, <laughs> he had the power to get here to build him a studio near good red wine so that he can drink red wine and do his paintings and design cards. And that's how powerful he was. And he didn't imbibe too much in the red wine when designing because uh, the, the result is uh, pretty good, Valdi. Well, maybe, Derek. That's exactly what he did. Um, you, 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 you're never sure what the inspiration is, but it certainly, um, certainly works really, really well. But it's not just the design that makes the car as good as it is. It's really the, the spec level that you get, the entire range, all of them, whether you take the EX entry level or the GT line, top of the line, they all come with a 20-centimeter touchscreen in the middle. Um, you can do Apple CarPlay, Android Auto, these reverse cameras, climate control, and buttons on the steering wheel, automatic headlamps, cruise control, you know, absolutely everything is there. Um, electronic stability program these days comes standard. It's, it is a, a comprehensive package that you get for your money. And, and I do think that it's certainly a car that more people should go and, and test drive if they're in the market at all. Your let's drive out of five. It's so difficult now because over the last four episodes, we set the bar quite high with various very good products. I can't give it a five because it's not, you know, that standout perfect, but it's very pretty close. I'd go with a four and a half for it. Four and a half out of five. That is the Kia Seltos. And I'm gonna Moving from the cars to the drivers, we move over to uh, Belito. I think he is uh, Guy Bottrell, who last year in the total courts to Adagazoo Racing R2 Etios clinched his fourth SA Rally Championship with two rounds in hand. Guy, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Yeah, it's great to have you on board. Uh, yeah, tell us uh, about the, the latest success in your storied rally career. Well, we've had a phenomenal few years uh, with the Toyota Etios uh, R2. We uh, won multiple championships in a row. And this year, we decided to do something different. So we uh, purchased the Toyota Etios R4, which is the latest generation four-wheel drive uh, car. Um, and we've taken on the African Rally Championship, which takes part uh, all over Africa. Uh, we were very fortunate enough to get the first round in before lockdown, which was in our coast. And uh, the car made it back just in time uh, to go straight into lockdown. So uh, that's where we are at the moment. Tell us about that first round. Um, it, it was a phenomenal roller coaster of uh, an event. Uh, first of all, we shipped the car off on the 2nd of January um, to have about a month and a half uh, transit time to get to Ivory Coast in time. And uh, the whole crew flew to Ivory Coast. It's quite a difficult place to get to. We had to fly to Kenya first and uh, wait almost 24 hours for a connecting flight uh, to, to Ivory Coast. And um, with the crew eventually arriving there on time, uh, you know, we were tracking the car. It hadn't arrived yet. Um, when we left, we knew, we knew we were in a little bit of trouble with the car arriving in time because there's been multiple delays um, in each port because uh, the car didn't go straight to Ivory Coast. Unfortunately, there's no direct route there. So um, we actually had to stop off at four different ports and change onto two different vessels um, to get there. And each each port had its own delays and um, each vessel was running late. So um, we were going to make it with one day in spare with the car arriving, which uh, we thought we were fine with. 
And um, the day the vessel was meant to arrive, um, we got news from the clearing agent that the um, car wasn't going to make it in time. Um, so, you know, we were actually looking for a, a ticket to come home um, because the car wasn't arriving. The crew didn't have um, anything to work on and I didn't have anything to drive. So, um, you know, we were hugely disappointed. Um, there was a huge amount of effort um, to, to get the whole team to Ivory Coast and um, obviously at a huge expense. It's not cheap to race, um, you know, on the other end of Africa. So um, we were bitterly disappointed. And out the blue, uh, one of our competitors, uh, Gary, who's uh, the, our main competitor, uh, came to us at about 6 o'clock at night, uh, the day before the event, and he says uh, he's got a Class A African spec car um, in his garage uh, three three hours away, and uh, would we like to use it? So we made some phone calls, and um, we hired his car for the event. Uh, we can't believe it that there was a basically a, an FIA spec car in spec, uh, ready to race in Ivory Coast, uh, waiting for us to, to use. So um, it was unbelievable that they lent us his car. And we managed to um, complete the event, scoring maximum points uh, in our class um, to take the lead of the African Rally Championship. So it was phenomenal. Uh, Guy, just a quick question. You you mentioned various classes there. You you were um, talking at first about the R2 Etios that you won with last year, then buying the R4, then there's a class FIA spec car in Ivory Coast. Can you just quickly run us through the through the classes that, that are in South Africa versus internationally, and then also um, the differences between driving the R2 and the R4 for you? Sure, no problem. So in South Africa last year, the premier class uh, was R2, which is a 1600 naturally aspirated car, a front wheel drive, uh, deceptively fast motor car um, they, they're absolute pleasure to to drive uh, our etios was uh, locally built and locally designed in south africa um and and we had huge success with that car uh, we we dominated uh, the r2 proceedings for numerous years and um when we decided to move uh you know we we'd done r2 for numerous years and and it was time for us to to take another step forward and the only route that we had was uh, mainly to partake in the African Rally Championship. Now uh, the African Rally Championship runs slightly different rules to South Africa uh, and in that to compete and to um, be competitive you need a four-wheel drive motor car to to handle the, the rough terrain in Africa, uh, very different conditions to South Africa um, and it just happened to be that uh, the R4, which is a new new generation car, um, has has just been launched uh, to the world. And the first car ever built was a Toyota Etios. It was built by Orica in France. And it uh, debuted with Hachenfecken at um, the Sabi event last year. And um, our main sponsors from, from Zambia, Wildcat, were there to come and watch the car because we had a lot of interest in it. Um, and after its winning its debut event in South Africa, uh, they bought it right there and then. Um, the R4 car is a four-wheel drive car, 1600, but it's uh, turbocharged. It's got all the latest technology in it. Um, it's got launch control. It's got uh, anti-lag. It's got... 
uh, huge amounts of technology um, into it. It, it is a, an absolute pleasure of a motor car to drive. Um, it, it's basically the the newer generation of a, of the S two thousand with um, all the all the latest upgrades. Um, which is an absolute pleasure to drive, and, and it's an honor to, to be part of the team. Um, but to compete in the African Rally Championship, you can compete in it as long as your car falls within the African Rally FIA specs, which allows uh, any homologated FIA vehicle um, that is four-wheel drive and falls within its categories. So they are, they've, they've opened it up to numerous different motor cars. Uh, there are cars that are quicker than us. Um, so, for example, the R5 um, is uh, quicker than the R4. Um, and also there's some older generation cars like the Subarus and Mitsubishis, which they fall in an N4 category, but they also can score points in the main event for uh, ARC. So uh, that is how we managed to hire a car in Ivory Coast and still score points in our championship. Guy, you said that thankfully you managed to get that first round out of the way before the lockdown hit, but unfortunately it did scupper the rest of the rounds. I mean, 2020 has been hit heavily in, in the sporting world in, in, in every sense. And uh, obviously the motoring world's no different. I mean, uh, what happens from here? Of course, we've got to wait until governments allow us to be able to compete but um yeah at the moment everything on hold i mean certainly it's it's been a a massive pain for for you and and everyone in the team it's 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 been a disaster um you know what we did is we uh booked uh, all our flights up front uh we've got uh crews that we uh you know pay a monthly salary to um so it's it's been a um a huge blow financially for for us to to put everything on hold because a lot of our, our fixed costs are still running um, and you know we're trying to look after our staff as best as we can uh, and we, we, we're doing jobs around the place like uh, we, we're working on our transport truck we uh, the cars prepped there's nothing more we can do with the car but as it stands we um, we're just standing and waiting uh, everything is on hold um, unfortunately we got news last week that the, the safari rally uh, in Kenya has been postponed till 2021 um, so we were really looking forward to that that would have been our first WRC event um, and and now it's been put on hold so um, you know it's it's uh, 2020 has been a terrible year for motor racing um, I'm not sure when we're going to kick off but um, you know we got all our sponsors on board and um, you know we're just uh, trying to Keep, keep everything going on social media. We've been posting a lot of videos of, um, you know, the past and just trying to keep a bit of momentum going. And, um, you know, we're just waiting, you know, hopefully in lockdown three, uh, hopefully that'll come fairly soon and we can get more clarity and when we can start racing again. Yeah, Guy, we are all holding thumbs and we wish you the best of luck in the, the, the near future. And of course, the the unknown future, so to speak. But uh, we do know that uh, once you do go back uh, out onto the road and the dirt, that uh, you will shine, as you have been doing uh, alongside your, your co-driver, uh, Simon Vasilal, who's been a terrific man in, in support. But, uh, yeah, congratulations on all you have managed to achieve uh, with uh, Toyota Gazoo Racing SN. Let it go from strength to strength. Thank you so much. And it's a great honor to be part of a fantastic brand name like a Toyota Gazoo Racing. And uh, we just, every time we go out there, we do our best and try and be the best brand ambassadors we can be.
Yeah, well, I can guarantee it won't be uh, the last time we'll be chatting to you on Let's Drive. Cheers, guy. So moving over now to wrapping up the show, it is the Let's Drive Top 5 and in honour of the Kia Seltos, which we discussed a little earlier, I'm going to ask my two esteemed colleagues. I want to hear from them. The best compact crossover and small SUVs uh, from both of them. Uh, let's give it to Hannes, uh, starting with you. Top five. It has to be the one that started that old trend more than 20 years ago. The original Toyota RAV4, that little short boxy one. That was an absolute classic. Okay, the original. Moving back to Voldu. What's yours? I think the uh, when, when it first came to South Africa, the Hyundai Hyundai Tucson and then later the iX35 and then the Tucson again made such an impact on the market that uh, it has to count amongst the top five. The Hyundai Tucson, or as they say in Benoni, the Tucson. And uh, moving over to Hannes. Um, one of the prettiest ones for me is the Mazda CX-3. Ooh, that's a nice one. Valdu. Uh, um, we, we spoke about it quite a lot earlier, but for similar reasons to the Hyundai Tucson, it has to be the Sportage, which really managed to cement uh, a Kia as a manufacturer in South Africa. So thanks to Peter Schreyer and the Sportage, I think that one cracks the top five as well. Okay, so the Sportage cracking the top five. Will we see the Saltos edge into this arena in the near future, or perhaps even now? Because Hannes, you still have one final pick going with the Saltos or something else. I'll, I'll, yeah, let's do it. Let's do that. I can, it's a toss wow. up between the, the, the Hyundai Creta and the Saltos, and because the Saltos is new and prettier, I'll, I'll, I'll include that into my list. That's amazing. A brand new car on the market, but cracking the Let's Drive Top 5. Gents, it's been a pleasure as always. Thank you very much to Chris Lou up front, and as you just heard, Guy Bottrell. Uh, we'll see you soon. Cheers, Hannes. Cheers, Volder. Cheers to the listeners. Uh, we'll be back later. Ciao.